sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Our show today is entitled A Banner Moment for Christian Nationalism, based on an article I found and the authors with us. Brian Kaler is a Baptist minister, president, and editor-in-chief of Word and Way, a historically Baptist magazine publishing in Missouri since 1896. That's quite a tradition to uphold, Brian. It really is. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring. And I know, you know, we have an Adventist publication devoted to religious liberty as Liberty Magazine since 1906, but there were earlier versions of it into the 1880s and 90s. You know, I feel that sense of tradition. And of course, when it comes to religious liberty, at least traditionally, Baptists and Adventists were very much been on the same page. So a banner moment. What exactly was the banner moment for Christian nationalism? Yeah, we're talking about the Christian banner, the Christian flag, which had its moment recently in the United States Supreme Court. Particularly, the question is whether or not the city of Boston should be required to fly the Christian flag alongside other flags at City Hall. Well, beyond the issue of sort of the legal, you know, the legal analysis, I think you go into some of the history of the Christian flag, which which I never knew. Um, why don't you give us some of the background on that flag? Yeah, the history is interesting, and it is very much an American idea. I mean, I know the Christian flag has gone to other countries, but often when I'm talking with Baptists in other countries, they're like, I've never heard of this flag. What is it? I've never seen it. And so that I think we see that in the red, white, and blue. In the design, the Christian flag is borrowed from the American flag. And it was this idea of, hey, we have this banner, this flag that shows our patriotism, but there's another kingdom that we're actually members of. So maybe that should be where we're actually pledging our allegiance. And initially, those who were promoting the Christian flag argued that it should always receive the place of preeminence, that it should be given the top spot. So on a flagpole, it would be above any other flag. Or if you were to put it somewhere, it would be in, you know, to, to the right of the speaker and not the American flag. That is not how churches that fly the American flag and the Christian flag tend to do it today. And so it's had an interesting evolution as the symbol has changed over time. Yeah, I mean, the churches that I've been at, they tend to fly them pretty much with equal dignity. And that doesn't make any sense to me why you would give equal dignity to a representation of the kingdom of God and one of our nation. Yeah, I mean, I would actually say most churches probably don't even do equal. They give it first billing to the United States flag. So traditionally, if it's on stage, the American flag will be to the right of the preacher and the Christian flag to the left. And that's following the U.S. flag code that says that the American flag should have the place of preeminence above all other symbols. So it's not just a two kingdom theology. It's actually we're already saying which kingdom is first, which is just what Jesus warned us. Right. You cannot have two masters. And in our symbols, in our churches, we have been saying the American kingdom is our first allegiance. Well, and so is that why you say this was a banner moment for Christian nationalism? I mean, we're not into on the Supreme Court case, but I mean, yeah, definitely there is this confluence of trying to treat these two symbols as if they go together 
one along with another. And But we've seen some really troubling usage of the Christian flag in recent years. Uh, we've seen it being co-opted by white supremacists. Oftentimes when they can't fly the Confederate flag now, they'll fly the Christian flag instead. We saw it being stormed into the Capitol on January 6th by insurrectionists as they were violently attacking the Capitol. And so I'm troubled by the use of this Christian flag. And then in that context now, we have a group of, I would call them Christian nationalists. They're very clear about saying that they think this Christian was, this nation was founded as a Christian nation. They believe we should be codifying Christian ideas into the law. And they want the city of Boston to fly the Christian flag next to the U.S. flag and the Massachusetts flag in place of the Boston city flag there outside City Hall. And that's when we really then start to get to Christian nationalism, when we're literally flying the banner as if it is an official message from a city government. Now, the case itself, um, I'm not that familiar with the facts, but was it just like a one-day deal? They wanted flown on a particular day, or did they want it flown for a period of time? Yeah, it would have been just on partial time on one day, the day that they actually initially requested Constitution Day, which... I think even complicates this even more that they thought that the Christian flag was a way of honoring Constitution Day. We recall the Constitution predates the Christian flag by quite a bit and is, you know, fairly godless in particularly in the original text with, you know, only Article 6 and the prohibition on religious tests being the only religious reference. So it would have just flown for an hour or so on that day. Uh, but then when they were denied permission multiple times, they sued and the cases worked. Even though the group that's been pushing this lost at every single level, the Supreme Court justices seem much friendlier to their arguments and opposed to the city of Boston. Well, um, the lower courts that have heard this case, what's the gist of their reasoning why they ruled against those, you know, promoting the Christian flag? Yeah, I mean, it really does seem to come down to an establishment question. And I mean, I'm not a lawyer like yourself, and I won't pretend to play one here on radio, but I have <laughs> read through a number of the briefs and uh, and do enjoy kind of working into those. But yeah, it seems to be the establishment question was really, I think the case comes down to two things. Is this a public forum where anyone that wants can fly a flag for an hour, or is it government speech? And pretty much everyone agrees if it's a public forum, then the city of Boston was wrong in its denial. And if it's government or if it's government speech, then they were right because the government cannot be endorsing religion. And that's just really where the debate comes down to. Was it a public forum or is it a government message? And the takeaway that I had from your article is something completely different than sort of that narrow legal question. And it has more to do with why try to fly a Christian flag at City Hall in Boston on Constitution Day? You know, what kind of message does that say? And what are the messages we're hearing from the defenders about this whole thing? Because that troubled by what the court does with the legal analysis one way or the other, although I might be more so, I'm going to interview a law professor about this, so we'll see how I feel after talking with him. But um, I'm very troubled by the rhetoric and um, the kind of commitment to this Christian nationalism. And, and that's what you really highlight in your article. That's right, because I think regardless how the ruling goes, the Christian flag is not going to fly on the flagpole outside of the Boston City Hall. Because if the court rules, as it seemed like they were leaning, that this was a public forum and therefore they have to accept anyone, 
Boston's just going to change the rules of the program. They're going to shut down the public forum and be much more limited in what flags fly. So the Christian flag's not going to fly outside City Hall at Boston. <laughs> so the real issue is what happens in those concurring opinions, the ones that aren't the majority opinion, but then start to signal some messages to courts and to activists and government officials in the future. I mean, particularly troubling in the oral arguments was when Justice Gorsuch referred to the so-called separation of church and state. And that's what really starts to signal what's coming down the pipeline, not about this flag and this particular flagpole, but what does Gorsuch and perhaps some of the other justices that might sign on to a concurring opinion with him, what do they start to say about separation of church and state and trying to chip away at that rhetorically and then eventually legally? Now, a lot of our listeners may have been hearing the rhetoric over the last several decades about the so-called separation of church and state, rhetoric that's very harsh and critical of separation. But you're a traditional Baptist, and I know that Baptists historically have been the champions of separation of church and state. Talk to us for a minute about why that is. Yeah, I think it really comes down to a simple understanding that if you have a union of church and state, then it starts to cut away at the freedom to decide what you believe or don't believe, how you want to worship or not worship. And if you don't have the freedom to say no, then you don't really have the freedom to say yes. And so Baptists developed this perspective as a minority faith tradition. And I think that's why Seventh-day Adventists have also been strong proponents of separation of church and state, is understanding what it's like to be persecuted, to be judged because of your faith. And unfortunately, many Baptists today, after we became the largest Protestant grouping in America and thought, well, hey, we've got the numbers. We could run this thing. So unfortunately, a lot of Baptists have given up on the ideal of separation of church and state. But I still hold to that because I think it's best not only for the state, it's best not only for our democracy, but it's best for our faith as well. Well, and, you know, the Baptists have given us the term soul liberty, right, <laughs> which is a very traditional Baptist term for the notion that, you know, the state really has no role to play in interfering between the soul and, and its maker, and you know, Jesus Christ. And, and one of the things I've often pointed out is that in looking at the history of church-state relations in Europe, uh, the early Baptists and others who championed these ideas felt that it was not just the state that should not interfere between the soul and Christ, but the church as well, mm -hmm. that both church and state had potential to be oppressive of religious freedom. And, you know, this is kind of the, the historic Protestant ethos of, you know, we stand before God and answer to God alone for our faith. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's one of the dangers then that what Christian nationalism does wants to give into the confluence of power, using both the power of the church and the power of the state to bring those together. And that really is is crushing to soul liberty. So I am concerned, as you pointed out, Justice Gorsuch, uh, dismissive of the so-called separation of church and state. But in the minute or so we have left, what about the defenders of the flag and they're using this as an opportunity to promote Christian nationalism? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the fact that they wanted to fly this at City Hall gives you an indication of their idea. And they wanted to fly it on Constitution Day because they think this is a Christian nation. And so, honestly, we have some problems in the Supreme Court, but I think we have more problems in our pews and our pulpits across the country. 
And it's not something we're going to fix in the court system alone. We have to, from our pulpits and our Bible studies, we have to take on the heresy of Christian nationalism that's having us want to take these Christian flags and march into the Capitol violently or to demand that City Hall fly it. That's a problem of the heart and the soul. And that's really where we've got to do the, the heavy lift and the hard work from here on out. Do you have any suggestions for how we do that before we close? I mean, yeah, a couple things we could do is, one, I think we have to continue to reach out to the global church. We have to be mindful and to listen to Christians from other countries, because that starts to help us see beyond our own borders that, you know what, being an American isn't what makes you a Christian. I also think it's very helpful to always listen to those that are oppressed minorities, to not lose sight of that minority perspective of those who are persecuted and know what it's like not to be in the cultural or political or religious majority in their community. And that perspective, I think, can make all of the difference in understanding why it's dangerous to have Christian nationalism or some sort of uniting of church and state. You know, when you invoke kind of the global perspective, I'm reminded of a chapter in a book that I edited, which compiled quotes from the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran with those of some American Christian leaders who would be household names. And it's not that I want to, you know, uh, demean anyone, but the rhetoric of, you know, Christian nationalism is very much the same as the rhetoric that we see from Islamic fundamentalism in a country like Iran. Uh, and that should be an eye opener for, you know, for Americans. Well, our guest today has been Brian Taylor, president and editor in chief of Word and Way, historically Baptist magazine in Missouri since 1896, also Baptist minister. Brian, it's been a pleasure to have you with us on Freedom's Ring, and we sure hope to have you back again soon. Thanks, Alan. I really appreciate it. Friends, this has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring. <laughs>